Okay, you there? Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. It says this, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. Verse 15, key verse tonight. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. Let's pray. Would you pray with me? And as we pray and as we get started, can you please, as, when I get done praying, can you like become different? Because you're just all quiet and mundane and boring and <laughs> okay come on baby so when i get done praying it's like it's like a whole another poop like you guys like switch seats and like and you guys put on like cheerleading outfits and you're just going crazy cheering for jesus not for me and don't be weird but just let's pray mighty god you really are mighty and we love you and we thank you so much for how good you are to us and god we ask that tonight you would open up our eyes to see how good you are, and God, that you'd open our eyes to see how we should live. God, you've called for one type of life, and we want to know what that looks like. Help us, Lord, not just to hear what your word says and to hear what I have to say, but God, help us to actually live it out and apply it, Lord. Help us to put application to your word, putting application to the simple, basic revelation, to the basic understanding of what your Bible says. Help us to live out what you say, God. We love you so much, and we thank you, God, for everything that is good and perfect that comes from you. We love and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes. Yes. Now, don't let that just be like a roller, almost be a roller coaster ride. Like, keep going, you know, like, stay awake, stay, stay, stay up, stay, okay. So, my son, uh, Zayden, uh, is is amazing. He he really come on, come on, hey, and uh, and one of the things I I've always found interesting was was that uh, when I'm with other babies or infants, I have a really hard time uh, um, like holding them and like like when they got a poopy diaper, I just pass them off to somebody else. Or if they spit up, I think it's the nastiest thing in the world. I'm like holding them from their hand and like carrying them around, you know. Somebody else, that's, that's horrible, I don't do that. Uh, but like, I, I'm not very good when it comes, and maybe you are, and don't judge me, okay, but that's me. Like, ask my wife, I did not change a diaper ever until like two weeks before we had our kid because uh, somebody said that I needed to change a diaper, and so I ended up doing it, but I hated the whole process and just got really frustrated and almost lost my salvation. And I'm uh, <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. And uh but when it comes to when it comes to like other babies and stuff, I'm just not all that cool. Now with my nieces, I've built a relationship with them and I love them to death and I'm able to hold them and they're spit up and their poops a little different cuz they're like my little, you know, girls. I see them as like my little girls, you know. So a little bit different, but I've just never been that good personally when it comes to other babies poop and pee and throw up and remember it's not throw up, it's spit up. Remember that? It's spit up because okay. And uh, and so, right when I got Zayden, right when I started holding Zayden, like he'd be like slobbering on me and like spitting up, and I just thought it was the cutest thing. I just thought it was amazing, and I never actually was like, "Oh, son of a, what the heck?" You know, kid, get off me. You know, 
Like, I never, <laughs> who thinks those things? Anyway, some people do, okay? Uh, but I never, I never went that far, and uh, that's good. I, nobody should ever go that far. Um, but the other day, it was about, I think it was yesterday, yesterday morning at 8 in the morning, um, I woke up uh, to my son fussing, and Ashley fussing, <laughs> Gabriel, get up, you know? Uh, she wasn't fussing, but okay. And she was like, get up, take care of the kid. He's, he's got a nasty, yeah, diaper, and you need to take care of him. I'm like, oh, okay, let's go. So I, like, get up, roll out of bed, and I, I walk over to, like, the changing table. I set him on the changing table, take off, start taking off his diaper, and it's just, like, a gnarly, nasty one, okay? Like, it's, it's bad. It's bad. And I, I begin to, you know, clean him up. And as I'm, as I'm cleaning him up, one of the things you don't do, this is just, this is just, Sometimes I teach about fly fishing, and sometimes I'll talk about hunting, but other times I'll talk about changing diapers. This is what, that's what I'll do. And one of the things you don't do if you ever change a diaper is you don't always just, especially if it's a male, you don't just trust that they've already peed. <clears throat> just don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't, just, don't just believe, oh, he's already peed, he's do, he'll do great. Don't do that. Because it's usually when you believe that is usually when everything just goes horrible. Uh, so one of the things you do is that once you take the diaper off, you usually put it back on real quick, or we give it some air, and they put it, and usually they'll pee or something like that. Well, I was just tired, and I didn't do that. And so as I'm changing his diaper, I'm, I'm changing, and all of a sudden, pss, shooting all over the place, and I have to cover it up with my hand, and so I got pee all over my hand. I'm covering him up, and then I'm like, this was after I'd already put a new diaper in there, so then it pees all over the new diaper, I pulled the new diaper back again, and then he pooped in it again. So then there's poop in the new diaper. There's pee all over my hand. I'm like, stink. So then I take my hand away to go switch the diaper, and as I change, it's peeing again all over my shoulder and my elbow, and I'm like, and I'm like, the whole time, I, I just don't get mad because you just don't get mad at him. You just, you just laugh like, oh, you're so cute. You know, you just got your hand over it. It's like peeing through. And, and, uh, if, and so, and so, I'm like looking at him and kind of laughing and like wanting to yell at Ashley to come and help me at the same time enjoying this whole, you know, deal. And, and, and then it get worse because, you know, usually they do other things out of other holes. And so I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm holding it and I'm flipping over and he's peeing on my shoulder. And then I look at his face and he spits up all over his face. It comes down his side. I'm like, what the heck, you know? So I just reach down, I pick him up. Naked and all, pee, poop, puke, and all, stuck into my chest, and I had no shirt on. I'm like carrying him around the house. So I got pee all over me, poop all over me, puke all over me. And I'm like, Ashley, get up. We're giving this boy a bath, you know. <laughs> and I stuck him in there, and I set him in the bath, and, and he really, he actually really enjoyed it. But, you know, when it's your own kid, it's a different story. You know, and I actually really do appreciate it when, like, her, her mom comes, Casey, uh, comes and helps and, and other family members and friends. We've had somebody over almost every night visiting and giving us dinner. We just actually ate a dinner that somebody just gave us. And we're actually very privileged for those people and thankful. But, uh, but all those people um, are just, they're just contributors to what we're doing. They're just people that are just helping out to what they're doing. But when it really comes down to it and the rubber meets the road, they're not responsible for my son. Uh, they're, they're not the ones who are 
watching over his whole entire life. Me, on the other hand, I'm not just a contributor. I am somebody who is all in. Like, no matter where I am, no matter what's going on, no matter whether he pees, pukes, poops, all in the same moment, I'm throwing him to my chest. I'm carrying around the house, whether it's all over me or not. I don't care because he's my son, right? And I'm going to give him a stinking bath and clean him up. That's what you do when people are dirty. That's a good lesson right there. You should just write that down. Take a bath if you're dirty. Take a shower. Baths are weird. Weird. I'm just going to say that. Because you're just sitting in all of your nastiness. And dead skin. So if it's not your kid, if it's not your kid, which none of you are parents right now, hopefully, if it's not your kid, then it's not as, you're not as involved. You're more of a contributor. It's more of, it's more of like, oh, I'm so excited. I get to go see my cousins today. And they're like two and three. Or, oh, I'm so excited. I get to go babysit somebody today. And you're more of a contributor than you are somebody who is completely sold out, all in. You're the mom. You're the dad. It's a completely different story. And I've experienced this, like I was saying earlier, that I can't stand changing other babies' diapers. I just... For me, personally, can't stand doing it. I think it's weird. Their poop stinks worse for some reason. I don't know what it is, but... And so, in our life, in your life, in my life, and I ask you tonight, my, my question for you tonight is this. Is, is Jesus just something that you've added on to your life as just something else? Is Jesus just somebody that you contribute to? Or are you all in with Jesus? Because somebody who just contributes to Jesus or somebody who just says, I'm a Christian, and they go to church and they try to read their Bible and try to do good things, is completely different than somebody who is all in, completely sold out, traded their entire life for Jesus. There, there's those who just, who just call themselves Christians and tr- contribute to Christianity. They contribute to the things of God. And then there's those who have sold their life. They're completely sold out. They're all in. They have a new identity. They're titled. They're positioned by and in Christ. Two, two complete, distinct, different things. And in this room, there's two Different categories tonight. Some of you, some of you are here, and you may be all in Christ. And others of you, you may have heard about Jesus. You even hear about church, and you go to church, you hear about Jesus, you hear about the whole thing, and you try to do your good thing. You put money in the box, you raise your hands, you sing songs, and you might even read your Bible every once in a while and say God is good every once in a while. But are you all in, or is Jesus just an addition to your life? A lot of us tonight, it's, 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 it's your life plus Jesus. And then there's some of you who is, Jesus is my life. And if Jesus is not your life, when I say that he's not, when I say your life, I mean he's not your entire purpose. He's not your entire reason for living. He's not your entire focus. He's not all that consumes you. He's not your reason for living. If he is not your life, then all he is is just an addition or he's nothing to you. And God does not want to be an addition. As a matter of fact, he cares nothing about you making him an addition in your life. And there's two categories. You either all in or you're not. And tonight we're going to find out that God doesn't really care if you're not all in. I'm not saying he doesn't love you. He does. And it's his love that draws us to him. But he doesn't care about your weak, little, 
or big contribution. He wants your entire heart. He wants your entire life. He wants all of who you are. Tonight, I want to draw a line in the sand and say, I don't care about the, the, the philosophies and the doctrines and the, the ideas that you have or that you've created or that somebody has taught you. I don't care about those. Tonight, I want to tell you the truth. There's one life that God desires you to live. There's one life for a Christian. There's not two. There's not three. Depending on your background or your age, there's one life. There's one life that God desires. There's one life that you were made for. There's not three lives that God says, pick your choice. Now, there's different expressions of that life. Some are called to be business people. Some are called to be in the marketplace and doing business. And some are called to be in sports. Some are called to be in education. Some are called to be in politics. Some are called to be working in a church. But the heart of a person, God desires all of it. Not just, I graduated from high school, I got my Leatherman's jacket, and on that jacket, I got my Boy Scout pin, I got my Eagle Scout, I was in the band, in choir, football, basketball, Jesus, you know, and you got your little pin, And you stuck it on there, and you walk out holding your head held high, thinking that you were the cool, true Christian. But in all reality, you're just another person who just threw on the name Christian, and you never really do know Jesus, and he doesn't even know you. And the only one you're fooling is yourself. Because those who really are followers of Jesus know you're not a follower, and I'm going to love you no matter what. But I just want to help you tonight to show you there is, a, there is one way. Jesus is that one way. And he desires your whole life. Mark chapter 12 is an actual uh, really good passage tonight that we're going to be looking at that actually gives us a picture of this. It actually shows us the truth that God desires your entire life. It says in verse 41 that Jesus sat down in the temple... And he watched. Jesus sat down in the temple and he watched. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, like John 3.16, but not. 1 Corinthians, the first book of Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 16. Paul, the apostle Paul, writes to this church at Corinth, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he says, did you know that you are the temple of God? That God lives in you. Now, if you're a believer, that is true. But whether you're a believer or not, you are actually formed, created, and fashioned to be the temple of God. That you are actually created for God to dwell inside of your mortal body, inside of your physical body and your soul. You are formed, fashioned, created, destined for God to live inside of you. So you, in essence, are the temple. Whether God dwells in you or not, you are a temple. And the Bible says that Jesus sat down in this temple and was watching all those people who were doing things. Can I say this in Hebrews chapter 4, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, it says, There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Nothing is hidden. 
God sees everything you do. And not only does he see everything you do, he knows every motive that you have. Every desire that, that comes from your mind and from your heart. God sees everything. He doesn't miss it. He, doesn't, he sees when you lift your hands. He sees when you lie down at, at night to go to sleep. He sees when you eat. He sees you when you talk. But he doesn't only see it. He knows you more than you know yourself. God knows you. Every, every person is, is laid bare before the eyes of God. Nothing is hidden. One of the things I want to pull from this, from this story is that the Bible says Jesus sat down in the temple and he watched them as he gave. Can I say that God is watching you and everything you do? And you will give an account because he saw it. You're not going to heaven and go, God, did you actually see that one? Yeah, he saw it. God sees everything. He knows all things. He sees your desires. Not only what you do, you may do something that might be good on the exterior, but in your heart, your heart might be full of envy or jealousy or competition. And the root of what you're doing is wrong, and that's what God judges. So don't fool yourself by trying to do good things, because God sees your heart. God sees your temple. He sees who you really are. Tonight, there's so many of you who, who claim to be Christians, so many who claim to be followers, so many, I don't mean so many, but I mean there's, a, there's an amount of you, how about that, there's, there's, there's an amount of you who claim to be Christ followers. You claim to, to know Jesus, but then you go to bed at night, you wake up in the morning, or you're by yourself, and you know who you really are and what you really do and what you really think. Maybe your parents are Christians. Maybe you went to a church when you were younger. Maybe you went to a church camp when you were younger. You made that commitment, that dedication. Maybe you know somebody that's a Christian. You think that you're just cool because you know somebody that's a Christian. Maybe, maybe you've been coming here for a long time. You consider yourself a leader. But then at the same time, you really know where you're really at. I'm not trying to condemn you tonight. I'm trying to bring truth to a lie that you're holding on to. A lie that says, I can do whatever I want and nobody knows about it. God sees it. God is watching. He sat down in your temple. He's sitting down in your temple, believer or unbeliever. He's watching you. He knows you. He sees you. Don't fool yourself. You know what else? You're not the only one. He's not the only one that knows it. Your friends know too. Your friends know if you're really in or not. My friends know if I'm really in or not. My friends know when I'm struggling or not. Don't fool yourself. That's the only one you're fooling. God knows and so do your friends. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. Verse 41 says, he says, Many rich put in large amounts, and a poor widow dropped in two small coins. One of the things that I, I, I see from this is, is that there's two categories. There's poor and there's rich. And, and in essence, it kind of encompasses all people. There's the poor and there's the rich. 
And did you know that whether you're poor or whether you're rich, no matter where you come from or what your status is today, currently, it doesn't matter how much you give. It doesn't matter even necessarily what you give. But what does matter is the reason behind why you give. There are so many people in this world today that are doing something that they call good. They're making some type of contribution. Because the poor and the rich, it, takes, it, it covers all categories. It covers every category. The poor and the rich. And in our world today, there is not one person that is not making some type of contribution that they think is good. Whether it's for God or whether it's for their own God. Every person thinks in their own way that they're doing something that is right. Something that is good. Everybody is trying to make a contribution. And just because you make a contribution or do something that's good does not mean it's good. As a matter of fact, our good works, our good deeds, the things that we, do, that, that we make call good, if they're wrong, if they're the wrong motive to God, they mean nothing. They're of no value and of no effect. Every single person, everyone is doing something, even in the church even in this room, each, every single one of us right now is trying to make some contribution to do something. But that does not justify you. That does not mean you're a Christian because you worship God in a church or you might lift your hands. It doesn't mean you're a Christian because you might read your Bible every once in a while. It doesn't mean you're a Christian because you pray or you come to a leader's meeting or gathering. Those things don't mean you're a Christian. It's not what you do that determines you're a Christian. Now, what you do should prove that you're a Christian. What you do should prove your discipleship. It should prove it. My faith is what saved me. The grace of God that I trusted in and believed in is what saved me. But my faith in that grace should have an expression. Because if it doesn't have an expression, then you're not a real Christian. If you're not really living out the life, then you don't really believe. Right? Because faith without works is dead. Each of us in here tonight are making some type of contribution or good effort or doing something to try to look good. Or maybe it's not trying to look good. Maybe it's just you're doing it because you see others doing it. But it doesn't mean it's right. And it doesn't mean you're on the right path. Jesus called his disciples. And he said that there's a widow. This widow, this poor widow, has given more than all the others. This poor widow has given more than all those rich who put in actually, tangibly, physically more. But she gave more. I find this interesting. It actually says that Jesus, Jesus summoned his disciples. He, he, he goes out of his way to grab his disciples, to interrupt his disciples. I don't know what his disciples were doing, but he, he takes his time. He takes his time to make a point to his disciples that something 
was happening that he wanted them to see. He wanted to teach them something. He interrupts them. He, he comes in the midst of whether they were in a conversation or they were actually giving themselves. He stops what they're doing to pull them aside to tell them something that was so important to him. He doesn't point out the rich people. He points out a widow, a poor widow. And this to me is actually, this means so much to me that why, why, why would Jesus stop what they were doing? Why would Jesus stop what he was doing? And he's sitting there, I, I just see the whole picture whole unfolding, and he's sitting there watching the whole situation take place. And when he sees this poor widow give, he stops, he gets up, he walks over to his disciples, he grabs them and he says, look, I have to show you something. And he wants to show us what is most valuable, what is most important to him. He wants to show us between truth and lie. The widow has given more because she gave everything she had. It was convenient for the rich to contribute out of their abundance. But it was not normal. It was not convenient for this poor widow to give all that she had. That is the difference. Can I listen to, real quick? Real quick. This is this is important. In their culture, a widow was already poor. Because in their culture, if you were a widow, before she was a widow, when she was married, the male, the husband, was who brought in the source of income for the most part. And so when a woman died, or when, a, when the husband died, they were usually doomed. Because in their culture also, the Jewish people thought to themselves, she must have done something bad to lose her husband. Because that's how they thought. That's, that was their thought process. When something bad happened, well, you must have done something bad. You're a bad person. When somebody was blind, remember in John chapter 9, they said, what did he do? What did their parents do to make this person blind? Their thought process was that if you did something bad, or sorry, if something bad happened to you, then you must have done something bad. So this poor widow, in their culture, she was already poor. When you talk about a widow in their culture, they're already poor. They're all, they already have the, the, the title of being poor. They're already in some ways cast out. They're not really recognized. So they either sell themselves to prostitution, they would beg and hope to get married again, or if their parents would let them, they would come and live with their parents again. And the Bible does not only say that she's a widow, but that she's a poor widow. That all that she had was two little mites. It was, it was like an eighth of a day's wage. And that was all that she had. And Jesus stops and he interrupts his disciples. And he wants them to understand that these rich people gave out of convenience, but she gave out of a life that says, I am completely sold out. He saw something. He saw that she was not, she was not just making some, just another contribution that everybody else was making. She was not just making and giving and doing another good deed. She was not just doing just another thing, just another day that looked good. She was not just adding on to her life, but because she gave everything she had, she was saying that I am not just, just doing another thing, but I am taking my whole life and I am entrusting it to God. When she chose to give, when she chose to take all that she had and to give it, what she was saying 
was that I'm not just, just going to give out of something that's convenient to me. I'm not just going to try to do just another good thing. But when she gave all that she had, what she was communicating, what she was saying, was that I am all in. I am completely sold out. When you go to a store, and there is, you go to a store and you're looking for, let's say, Red Bulls. Because people like Red Bulls. And you're looking for a Red Bull. And you walk up to the refrigerator, because that's usually where they are. And you open up, what's up, bro? You open up the door, and you look in for the Red Bull, and you don't see any Red Bulls, but you still see the little sign that says $400, sorry, that's about how much it costs, uh, $4 or whatever it is, Red Bull, and you're like, oh, but there's still none in the slot. What you assume is that it's sold out, right? Isn't that when you are sold out, you're not available to anybody else. You're not available to any other competitors. When you are sold out, there is nothing left for you to give. There is, there is, there is no one else for you to identify yourself with. There is no other decision that you will make. There is nothing else that you will ever decide to do because you're already sold out. You're unattainable. You're unavailable. You ever go to those bathrooms and it says occupied? When somebody who comes to you and, and wants you to do something that is wrong or ungodly, there should be a sign on you that says un or sorry, that says occupied. I am unavailable for that junk. I am, I am unavailable to do anything that is against what God has called me to do. I am, I am unavailable because I am completely sold out. When I, when I talk about this, when I say this, so many times, it's like, it's like we get, it's like sometimes it goes in one ear and it just goes out the other. When, when any preacher, any minister, any leader, any Christian that starts talking about living life, that you're all in, you're completely sold out for Jesus, they even, immediately say, you're just, you're just a crazy, radical person. That's, a, that's usually one of the things that, that those people who are really lukewarm and not sold out, they're just trying to be cool, good people and do what they really want to do. They're just, they're just living their life plus Jesus. That's usually the first thing they say. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, that the love of Christ compels us. He says, because we judge this one thing, that Christ died, Jesus died, we sing about it tonight, the Lamb of God was slain for all, therefore all died. And all died for this one thing that they would no longer live for themselves, but they would live for him who died for them and rose again. A life that is all in is a life that is completely done, sold out. They've lost everything. They've traded their title. They've traded their identity. They've traded what they were known for, and they're all in. And even as I say this tonight, so many of us thinking to ourselves, well, that's me, I'm already there, I'm cool. Or we just go, well, it'll, it'll, 
it'll it'll pass. I'll feel convicted now, but tomorrow I'll feel good. Or you say, no, I'm already good, but then you're the person that just sits on your computer all day long and doesn't do anything. Or you're the person that worships in church, or you say it's worship, but then you go to school and you gossip with your girlfriends. Or you're the person that you say these things, but then when you're alone, you look at pornography. Or, or maybe you're the person who you say these things, but every time you're around people, you just think of these the most wor- horrible, worst thoughts come to your mind, and you relish on them, you wait on them, you meditate on them, you allow them to consume you. Or maybe you're the person who, when these things, you say these things, but then you go home, and you're disrespectful to your mom, you're disrespectful to your dad. The person that is completely sold out, the person that is all in, the person that has said, I don't live anymore. My, my, my person does not live for me. I do not live for myself, but now I am completely sold out. I'm completely all in for Jesus. That person lives a life that is completely dedicated to loving God and is completely dedicated to loving each other. And what does that even mean to love God? That means you're living a life that is holy. That means that your conduct is holy. That means that if you say you're a Christian, you should not be gossiping about other people behind their back. If you do, you should repent and go to them and apologize to them. That means if you say you're a Christian, you shouldn't be slandering each other. That means if you're a Christian, you shouldn't be talking bad. I mean, that's what slander means. Talking bad about one another, cutting each other down. That if you're a Christian, you should have good things to say <laughs> that, you, that your that your words should be pure but it's it's so it's so common that we find kids that come to church and youth ministries and they say they're christians and they come and they sing or they're like this is dumb and then they leave and they're rude to each other and they cut each other and they're doing everything they can to be seen to be heard to be known you're not a christian you're just a follower of your own desires and inclinations I'm not telling you to do something that is, that is out there, man. I'm, I'm not telling you to do something that, that God doesn't ask you to do. I'm telling you to do something that God has asked us to do. I'm asking you to do the thing that Jesus asks us to do, to follow him with our whole life, with our whole heart, with all of our soul. And this is, you, you hear this, and then you go home, and you wake up the next morning, and then once again, it's just you and your life, and then whenever it's convenient for me, then it's Jesus and, and other people. I mean, if you really ask yourself, even now, so many of you, that's, that's your life. And the, 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 the cool thing, the good thing, is it doesn't have to be your life. But we come to even youth ministries, we come to church, and we just, there's some of you who come, you just watch people burn for Jesus. What I mean by that, that's Christianese. <laughs> you watch people who are on fire, who are excited, who are passionate about Jesus, and you just watch them burn. There's other of you who come, and you come and you actually come to try to receive from them and to catch some of their fire. 
For most of you, it's just, for most of us, when I say us, I mean the body at large. I mean your friends that they call themselves Christians. I mean you sitting in your seat. I'm challenging you today. Is that you? Do you, do you, do you say you're, you're, you're a Christian, you're a Jesus follower, but then you live a completely different life? Maybe it's not a completely different life. Maybe it's maybe it's kind of maybe it's kind of sold out, you know. Maybe it's like, maybe it's like, yeah, I'm, I love Jesus and and and, you know, I'm cool and we worship and I read my Bible once in a while, but then when it comes to loving people, when it comes to trading your life for people, it's a whole other story. You you only you only love people, you only spend time with people when it's convenient for you. Maybe that's your life. I desire so bad to see our whole entire city impacted for Jesus. And that's not going to happen if we as Christians are half-hearted, lukewarm wannabes. That sounds so negative. Well, let's call it what it is. (laughs) It's a negative lifestyle. Laziness. You say you love God, but you're lazy and you lay around all the time. You don't love God. You love yourself. You have a decision to make. Not just tonight. Because tonight I don't want some altar call where you come and you fall on your face and you cry. You've done that so many times. Because that doesn't even mean anything. Can I say that? This might offend some of you, but that doesn't even mean anything. I know so many people that have cried at altars, but then 10 days later, that's smoking pot with their friends. I don't care if you cried at an altar. I want to see your life. Are you living for Jesus or not? You only live one time. You're only young one time. And either you're living for Jesus in your life every day, all day, the way you work, the way you talk, the way you go to school, the way you actually do school, the way you actually do your homework, You either do or you don't. You either love God with your whole soul, mind, strength, body, being, person. You either do by worshiping him, by spending time with him. That's what it looks like. You spend time with Jesus when you're in love with him. I'm not telling you you have to. I'm telling you you should. This is is what it looks like. If you really are, you should. If you're, Gabriel, that's not me. Then I challenge you. Ask yourself, have I really traded my life? Have I identified myself as a Christian that when I go to school, I'm not ashamed to call myself a Christian? I'm not ashamed to call my Lord Jesus? Because if you're ashamed, I challenge you again, you're not. Jesus is not your Lord. Once again, your own inclinations and desires is your Lord. Why am I drawing this line so so strong? Because I want to make sure that you know what the truth is and that you really do choose. God doesn't care about your little or your big contributions. He doesn't care about your little, whether they're little contributions or they're big contributions. He wants your entire life. There's there's those people who, who make contributions, and then there's those people who trade their life. There's there's those people who who do good things. And then there's those people who trade their life for the purpose and cause of Jesus. 
There's those people who go to church and sing songs or maybe don't go to church and call themselves a Christian. And then when they go home, they don't spend time with people. Or when they go to school, they ignore people who aren't cool. Or when they go home, they make fun of their brothers and sisters and they're disrespectful to their parents. And then there's those people who say, no, I'm trading my entire life. And every day, day in, day out, my purpose, my reason for living is for Jesus. Because I have decided this one thing, that he came, he gave his life, he sacrificed his life, his whole life to come and live on this earth, to live on this planet, the planet he created, he fashioned, he formed. He came here to live a life that you and I could never possibly live on our own. And he did it so that you and me, that you and I could be justified by him. He lived a godly life. So that in him, you could be godly in God's eye, in God's sight. And then he hung on a cross for you and he bore your sin. He took upon your sin and your shame. He died, he was buried, he rose again, he ascended into heaven. And now he's asking that if you believe in him, that you would walk out your faith on a daily basis. This is not some complicated message, this is really simple that you would actually live out what God is asking you to live out. This is what we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks. And I want to go into more specific details about what it really means to be all in. When you're all in, you're respectful to people. You respect each other. Gabriel, that's like an old person word. No. That's a biblical word. Be respectful to each other. When you're all in, you honor each other. You know what that means? That means you lift them up. Not physically. Don't be weird. That means, that means you lift them up with, with praise, meaning that you encourage them. You say that you love them. You believe in them. You thank them for who they are and for what they're doing. You praise specific things in your life that, they, that you see that they're godly. You honor them by opening up the door for them. You honor them by buying them food. You honor them by taking them home if they need a ride. You honor them by picking them up if they need a ride. You honor them by saying nice things to them. You honor them by treating them as you yourself would want to be treated. If you're not honoring people and loving people, you're not all in. You encourage them. You bless them. You lift them up. You listen to them. You go out of your way to spend time with them. Gabriel, but I'm not a pastor. I don't care if you're not a pastor. If you call yourself a Christian, this is what God desires of you, to live this life. I'm tired of there's, 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 this, there's this culture where there's the leaders and then there's the non-leaders. There's those who, who say, I'm a wholehearted, crazy, outrageous, radical follower of Jesus. And then there's those who aren't. And you just say, well, I'll never be that person. I'll, I'll, maybe every once in a while I'll think about no, 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 no. You can't say that, that, that you can just choose what you want to do. You can't do that. If you're in sexual sin, it's got to stop. It's that simple. Stop living in sexual sin. If you're getting drunk, you've got to stop. That's sin. Stop getting drunk. Trade your life for Jesus. There's only one way. Don't fool yourself. 
Don't consider yourself okay. That's, we, we live this life where we live from the perspective of everybody else. You go to church, somebody speaks a message, and you always think of the other person. All day long, you're thinking about the other person that's doing this or doing that. You're jealous of this person. You're competing with that person. You're comparing yourself with this person. And it's like we, we miss. We miss out on God wanting to speak to us. We miss out on God wanting to tell us something, whether you're a leader or not. Would you stand up with me? I really, I really love coming here. This is my favorite day of the week, Thursday nights. I love coming and worshiping and seeing each of you. I really do. This is my favorite group of people. And at the same time, I, I personally know some of you, and I know some of your lives, and, and some of you I don't really know. And I think to myself, do I just want to kind of have a cool youth group? Or do I want to really build a real church of people who are sold out for Jesus? And when I draw the line like that, some of you might leave. And that's okay with me. Because I'd rather have 10 wholehearted followers of Jesus than 20,000 lukewarm Christians. And I really mean that. Now, I love you, and I, I pray and hope you don't leave. I pray and hope you make decisions. I'm not saying that if you don't want to make decisions, you should leave. I'm not saying that. You should stay and be part of this family and, and see what God can do in your life and see how people love you and will treat you. But that's my desire. Not that we would just have some cool youth ministry and you can do whatever you want to do but that we would be genuine Christians who actually live a life of loving God and loving each other. And it's, not, it's almost as if we speak so many messages and we hear so many words and so many things, but nobody, few people actually really do anything about it. And we go, oh, that's just a leader. That's just a, that's just a good Christian person. Or that person was raised in a Christian home. That's just, that's just well, look at all the bad things that have happened to me in my life. And look, this life that I'm talking about, that we're going to talk about for the next few weeks, and we'll talk about almost every week here at GM, is not only the reasonable, logical life, but it's also the life that God demands. He demands this life from you. Amen? He demands it. He demands it. We have the opportunity to serve the God who created the universe. We have an opportunity to serve the God who formed and fashioned this planet. We have an opportunity who ra to, to serve the God who raises dead people and brings them to life again. We have the opportunity to serve God. This is not something that, is, that, is of, uh, that, that, that requires you to, to do something that is stupid or boring or horrible. This is to do something that is actually life-fulfilling. It's that simple. It's that simple. 
Can you challenge each other with that tonight and for the rest of this week? If you're in your small groups, you're meeting with somebody, ask them, are you all in? Well, Gabriel, that's going to be awkward. Good. More, our conversations should be more awkward. Like, they should be more, they're always like, oh my gosh, yeah, totally, yeah, I know, totally, yes. Oh my gosh, did you see that boy? So crazy. And it's always like this stupid top, like, level, surface, stupid, we've talked about that before. But you should ask each other and challenge and encourage each other. Are you all in? Because I'm all in. Are you going to sit with ducks and chickens or are you going to fly with eagles? And if they're not all in, if you feel like they're holding you back, challenge them and tell them to step up? Can you do that? So that like me and like Reed and whoever else preaches is not the only one telling you to do this, but like each other, you're challenging each other. Hey, hey, you, you're always gossiping about people. Hey, you're always doing sexual weird bad things to your guy friends. That's weird. Seriously, like that's not good. A guy's doing sexual things to other guys. I'm not trying to be funny. That's, that's bad. And that happens in this youth ministry. You see that? Do something about it. Or tell me, because I'll do something. Girls that are gossiping and slandering, stop. You see somebody that's being jealous? Confront them. Talk to them about it. Hey, come on. What are you doing? Now, I'm not saying that we have a culture that's like always challenging and, no, I'm going to crush you with my hammer. <clears throat> but it's the culture that says, hey, I love you, but what are you doing? Like, come on. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, we're going to pray, and we're going to head on out of here tonight. I'll say this last thing. Some make contributions, and others trade their life. And it's only the latter. It's only the latter that are followers. It's only those that trade their entire life that are followers of Jesus. And we're going to be talking about that here in the next few weeks. Let's pray.